Thank you, everybody, for joining us. It's Chase and Josh of Factor Fantasy. That's Chase and I'm Josh, and we are here to gear into another epic series today. We will be starting the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. I know the last two weeks we've done standalones uh, with Marvel. The first one we did was Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness two weeks ago. Last week kind of closed out our standalones for now with Thor Love and Thunder, and we're jumping right into something new here, tackling this Obi-Wan Kenobi series. And I'll tell you what, when this was announced, one of the biggest things I was excited for in 2022 and the fact that we finally get to cover it and touch on it. I'm really excited. I will say we're going to do it very similar to how Chase and I did The Witcher earlier this season where we're going to be tackling each episode individually. So today we're going to be tackling episode one. Just this entire podcast will be focused around that episode. I'll probably take the lead here today. Chase will do so episode two and so on and so forth until Chase will close us out with episode six of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. So looking forward to doing it. Looking forward to jumping right in here today. Before I do, I'll turn the floor to Chase to say a few words and we'll get started. This is your uh, famous boy, man. You can try. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, yeah, let's get a, a malice in the chalice, man. Good stuff. Malice in the chalice. Cheers, brother. It sounds so, like a plan. Um, cheers, brother. Good stuff. Yeah, um, yeah I'm really excited uh, for this one because it, what's really cool is you really get to jump back into what we saw as a child as kind of that Star Wars universe. So not necessarily the originals. I love the originals, absolutely. But uh, the prequels and, you know, when Anakin really is at his prime, especially now. Like, there, I don't think there's going to be any other time we see Anakin more in his prime than this series right here that we will discuss uh, today and for the next six weeks like it is absolutely badass um you know father like son david and goliath like this is that kind of moment you know and uh it's badass so i say let's uh let's get it going man i'll let you take it away let's give the people what they want you gotta tell me twice bro you got it so for me when i what i first detailed is it was really great that they did this as well. They gave a really huge recap of everything in the prequel, so that way we were brought up to speed with where this was going to start. So the episode starts off with recapping the Phantom Menace events, uh, the Qui-Gon making Obi-Wan promise to train Anakin. It moves on to the Attack of Clones, where Anakin is Obi-Wan's apprentice, and then the really beginning of when Palpatine started to get into Anakin's head, telling him he could be the greatest of any of the Jedis. Then the final twisting of Anakin's mind when he shows Padme dying and telling him he could give Anakin the power to save her, and that's where we see him you know, kind of mold into the dark side a little bit, you know? And we get that recap of that, like that Chase was mentioning, the huge battle of the heroes, Obi-Wan and Anakin. Get up, Anakin, I have the high ground. He's like, you want to rest with me, power! <laughs> And, you know, he jumps in, you know, he dives at him and he cuts his arms and leg off. I'm sorry, legs and arm off. <laughs> and, yeah, that can, he kind of is left to die on that burning planet. But Palpatine gets him in time and says he's still alive. So we know at this point in time Anakin's still alive. Uh, not everyone knows, though, as we're going to find out here pretty soon, which is kind of cool. Uh, from there, it shows them hiding the children. You know, Padme was able to have both her children, named them Luke and Leia before she passed away. And they figured out the plan for the, the kids. They ended up bringing uh, Leia to the Organas. Uh, Luke goes to uh, Owen Lars on Tatooine. And Yoda tells Obi-Wan that in his solitude, he has training for him to do. And he's going to teach Obi-Wan how to communicate with his former master, Qui-Gon Jinn. So that is the whole recap that it puts us off to the start. Then after the recap, this episode shows... I, I had to look up her name on the IMDb because it didn't actually mention it in either the um, subtitles or the regular just throughout the they never mentioned her name but it was the Jedi Master Minas Velti and she was training young Padawans when the either the storm or the clone troopers bursted in and they start executing Order 66 and she protects the younglings for as long as she can and she, I counted it she takes out 10 stormtroopers or clone troopers on her own before she is finally overrun and killed and these younglings take off running, and in the distance, we see these troopers overrunning the Jedi in the temple with the same voice repeating, Execute Order 66. And it's almost like over a PA system, but we know the voice, obviously, is Palpatine's. So, kind of crazy. Then the title, the title sequence hits, and the scene shifts and brings us to where this series takes place, and it says, 10 years later, which is 10 years after Order 66. So, to start off here, where we are in this timeline, the spaceship travels... 
uh, and, and then arrives on this planet, and there's three menacing-looking individuals, and we can kind of tell right away that they're bad guys. They walk into this town saloon, and they speak to the owner, and we learn that they're called Inquisitors, and that they hunt Jedi. Well, the main guy, he's known as the Grand Inquisitor, he tells them that they heard a rumor that there was a Jedi in that very saloon, and basically they use the Jedi Code against the Jedis to hunt them, since they can't help but defend those in need. That's part of the Jedi Code. So, to kind of you know flush out the Jedi, the Lady Inquisitor picks up a knife on this table and launches it at the owner's face, and they get, the knife goes about an inch from his nose, and someone force stops it. And they see which of the people use the force to stop it, and the, the Jedi is uncovered, and we end up realizing the, na- the Jedi's name is Nari. He tries to escape. This is where we figure out the, the Lady Inquisitor's name. Her name is Inquisitor Riva. She corners him, and he tells her they'll never find all the Jedi, and she takes what looks like a lightsaber to me. I don't know if it was a lightsaber, but I don't know who can wield these things, but it looked like a lightsaber to me anyways. It was a red one, and she swings it, about to kill Nari, the Jedi, but the Grand Inquisitor uses the Force himself and stops the attack before it hits Nari and almost pushes, and kind of pushes her away from him, and that he takes advantage of that temporary confusion and escapes using the Force to knock down part of the entrance, barring the Inquisitor's way, and gets away. And that's when Reva kind of gets you know, frustrated, and, and the Grand Inquisitor yells at her, and he's like, like, she's like, we're chasing scraps. He's like, scraps are all we have right now. He tells Riva that she's reckless and that if she doesn't give up her obsession with finding Kenobi, that he himself will relieve her of her duties. So then the scene shifts to what looks like a meat processing assembly line. And we see for the first time on screen since The Revenge of the Sith, Ewan McGregor reprised as Obi-Wan Kenobi. It was great to see him the last time we saw him on screen as Obi-Wan, it was in 2005 when the Revenge of the Sith first came out. So it was really cool to see after all this time, Ian McGregor in Obi-Wan Kenobi once again. Really great. So anyways, what's happening here, they're working at this meat processing plant or whatever it might be called. And the day's work is over and he ends up cutting this piece of meat and hides it in a cloth. They go to clock out, or so to speak, anyways, what I'm thinking, they, they clock out and they get coins, they put in a chip in and the coins come out, so I'm assuming that's them by the end of the day and they get paid by the day for what they cut or whatever it might be. So the man before Obi-Wan complains that he only received half of the normal pay, but then the foreman hits the man and tells him if he says anything else he'll take all of the pay. And that's when we see Obi-Wan, looks like he wants to help, but he lets it go once the foreman challenging him. He like basically says, you got something to say? And what we, why I thought this part was important is we were able to see that Obi-Wan was in a way able to ignore the Jedi Code. There was someone that was in need and he was able to just, didn't want to blow his cover so he just let it happen. So Obi-Wan leaves and he picks up his Eopi, and that's a little kind of camel looking anteater that he's riding, they're called Eopis. And he feeds them that the meat he stole from them, they hides in that cloth, and then he rides the Eopi back to where Obi-Wan lives, which is in some remote cave here on Tatooine. There is a droid security system that lets him know that the place is clear and there's no intruders. It popped up out of the sand and it flashed green so he knows everything's clear in there. And that's going to come up you know, to play later on in this episode. So then we come across Tika the Jawa. He arrives and he sells Obi-Wan a jet-looking toy and, and also attempts to sell a vaporator that he actually stole from Obi-Wan back to Obi-Wan, but Obi-Wan recognizes it and calls Tika out for it. He's like, if you're going to steal from me and try to sell my stuff back, at least clean it first. And the job was like, cleaning costs extra. <laughs> so I thought that was really funny. Uh, but then Tika also tries to sell Obi-Wan a Jedi belt that they stripped from a ship, but Obi-Wan doesn't take it. And what we're kind of really seeing is he's really put these Jedi ways behind him in these past 10 years. So the day ends, and at night Obi-Wan is having these nightmares, and there are recaps and memories of he and Anakin and it kind of just goes through and plays over in his head and he wakes up in like a sweat and a cold start and he calls out to his master Qui-Gon Jinn, but there's no answer. Because remember in the very beginning of this, when they did the recap, the last thing before we hit the title sequence, or I should say before it switched over to the younglings in the temple, uh, Yoda had mentioned we're going to teach you how to communicate with your old master. So this is going to come into play later on throughout the series, him attempting to communicate with Qui-Gon Jinn. So anyways, the morning comes and he rides the Yopi across a desert and he perches on some cliff and takes out what seemed to be the equivalent in that universe of binoculars. And he's observing the farm where he left Luke with Owen and Beru Lars. And it looks like he's Luke is a little bit of a troublemaker. He's running around, hiding from Owen, pretending like he's uh, running away from them and hiding. And then when he sees him on the back of the house, and he pretends like he's driving a little fighter jet himself. And if you guys remember, the first time we ever met Anakin, he was a pod racer. And he was really good like, as, a, as a pilot. 
And so it's kind of cool to see the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So I like the way that the director slid that in there, that he was really interested in flying at such a young age like his father was. So anyways, um, night falls and Obi-Wan leaves the toy ship that he bought from Tika the Jawa at the front of Owen's farm and he heads home. In the middle of his ride home, the other Jedi, Nari, that escaped from the saloon kind of takes Obi-Wan by surprise. And Nari seems to know who he is, but Obi-Wan tries to deny it and he tells Nari that he's got the wrong person, that he goes by Ben. Like, my name's Ben. So this is the first time, obviously, in A New Hope back in the 70s when Star Wars first came out, he was known as Ben Kenobi. This is the, the, uh, what he, like the name he took on after he wanted to let Obi-Wan die because that's what, you know, this is like, like his imposter name. Almost like Frodo was Mr. Underhill in The Lord of the Rings. We got Ben Kenobi now. So, uh, but anyways, Obi-Wan tells Nari to leave, but Nari says he has nowhere to go because the Inquisitors are hunting him, and he asks Obi-Wan to help him. So Obi-Wan's like, you want my help? This is what my advice is. Take your little lightsaber, go to the middle of the desert, bury it, and stay hidden and live a normal life. <laughs> and then Nari's like, who are you? Like, you aren't the hero everyone talks about. He's like, he's like asking about the people that, that need the Jedi, and you know, what about the fight against the Empire? And Obi-Wan straight up tells him, the fight is done, and we lost, and that the time of the Jedi is over. And he tells Nari to go back to town and let it go. And I wonder after what happens here if he ever re- ended up regretting that. So, anyways, this, the scene shifts in this point where we're following a young child, and she's getting dressed up, and you can tell whoever it is is from a rich family. You know, there's very great clothing. It's it's almost you know Japanese in style in a way. It's very very uh, cultural fitting, and it's really cool. And we see uh, Breda Organa. She comes in, and she's you know the the lead senate outside of her husband. Yeah, her husband um, Bale, but. She comes in and she assumes that she's speaking to her daughter who's supposed to be the one dressed up for this important event that's going on. Turns out it wasn't her daughter, it was her daughter's friend and that was a prank the whole time. And she's like, well, you, you know, she said it was, you'd find her very funny. And so now they got to figure out where this darn girl is. And at this point, we don't quite know who the girl is until uh, they end up looking in the woods and, and have to find the real daughter. So the real daughter is running through the woods and she has this cool little droid named Lola that is her sidekick. And I'm, I wonder if that's ever going to get the same kind of uh, notoriety that maybe Baby Yoda did. For the Mandalorian, but probably not. But anyways, Lola the Droid was pretty cool. Made maybe maybe smile so that uh, you know this girl has this little sidekick here. She climbs a tree and she starts naming the different ships coming in and out of the city. You know, one of the ones that she had mentioned it says an Aquilian Ranger probably scouting for Mercen pirates. And that's when Brea Organa finds her in the trees and calls out her name, and we find out who it is. It's Leia Organa or Princess Leia. So that was cool. We got to see her. You know, her, her first time to shine on screen since they were taken away as babies. Really cool stuff. Uh, her mother, Brea, takes her droid from her as punishment for running away in the woods. <laughs> and, and so I thought this was really funny. She apologizes to her mom and tells her she won't do it again and hugs her. And inside of her mom's cloak, she grabs the droid back. <laughs> and she's like, you know, I can feel you grabbing for that, right? But I just thought it was really funny that that's a little bit of a relationship there. She's a troublemaker. And uh, her mom trying to get her to be the proper princess lady because she's going to end up taking over as a senator, you know, eventually when, you know, they pass away and it's her time. So the screen then pans and from the tree line of them going back inside, we see someone watching them intently and we get this sinister feeling from whoever is watching them from the tree line. And from that point in time, the scene shifts and we're back to the meat processing assembly line. And it seems like another day. Obi-Wan takes the meat, hides it again for Ezeopi, puts it in the cloth, puts it in his shirt or whatever. He takes the freighter back to where Ezeopi's tied up, and he goes ahead out, and before he leaves, something gets thrown at his feet, and he looks down, and it's the toy he left at Owen's house, and Owen's there. And Owen's not happy. He's like a grumpy old guy here. <laughs> and he's, he's kind of upset that Obi-Wan uh, visited the farm and you know, basically asks Obi-Wan to leave them alone. You know, He says, stay away from Luke and stay away from the home, and Obi-Wan... Tell, and Obi-Wan's like, well, how's the boy? How's he doing? And Luke, or Obi, or Owen says, you don't care about Luke. You just care about he's showing Jedi potential or not. And Obi-Wan reminds Luke that Luke is his responsibility and that once a time comes, he must be trained. And that's when, this is when Owen kind of becomes a little bit of a dickhead. He rudely reminds Obi-Wan of how his training with Luke's father, Anakin, went. And he even says, and I, I quoted this, it says, Anakin is dead, Ben, and I won't let you make the same mistake twice. So right here, this shows us People don't know Anakin survived. That's why I thought that quote was important on top of the fact he was being an asshole and reminding Obi-Wan of his greatest <laughs> failure. But on top of that, they believe Anakin's dead. And so Owen ends up leaving that little, I don't know if it was a house or whatever you want to call wherever the EOP was tied up. And then 
the Inquisitors come back, but this time it's just the Grand Inquisitor is with them. It's just Inquisitor Riva and what they call the Fifth Brother. He doesn't have his name. His name isn't given yet. So uh, Inquisitor Riva and the other Inquisitor known as the Fifth Brother arrive in the town, and they demand that the villagers give up the Jedi whereabouts and that they'll be rewarded if they do. And that's when Riva, Inquisitor Riva says, "Or you'll be punished if you don't." And so she kind of goes rogue again and tells them that she'll start by taking their hands, and that way every time they go to reach for something, they'll think about the Inquisitors. It's kind of fucked up. And this is where a random woman, she tries to be brave, and she tells the Inquisitors that they have no rights out here in the Outer Rim, that's outside the Empire's control, and that's when Inquisitor Riva takes her lightsaber and hacks that girl's hand off real quick and says, I wasn't fucking around, alright? I told you I was, <laughs> told you I was gonna take your hand, you wanted to test me, now your hand's on the ground. So, uh, then she approaches Owen, and she accuses him of knowing something about the Jedi. She asks him if he's got a family, and if they are hiding a Jedi on his farm. He tells her no and that he has no love for the Jedi, that he believes Jedi are vermin, and that he kills vermin on his farm. And that's where Inquisitor Reaver, she challenges him and asks if he thinks he could protect his family from her. Then she shouts to the entire village and tells them to give up the Jedi's location or Owen and his family are going to die. And this is and this is part of the, the uh, little soliloquy that she was going on. She was said, The Jedi are cowards. They failed you, abandoned you. There is no point in protecting them. They would not do the same for you. And then she pulls the saber on Owen, and this is where the fifth brother is finally fed up with her antics and puts down a hologram of the wanted Jedi and its Nari and tells the villagers that if they remember anything, rewards will be given. And then the fifth brother tells Inquisitor Riva to stand down now, and she reluctantly obeys. Then they go off into like the side alley, and he grabs her and pushes her aside. He's like, what are you doing? You are, you are out of control. That you are, she said, you are too impulsive, and that the Grand Inquisitor was right, that she still wants Kenobi, but that she'll never find him because they spent the last ten years looking for him with no luck. And he asks her what she thinks that she will gain by capturing Kenobi, and she says, what I'm owed. And to which he responds, be careful, third sister, you go too far. And Inquisitor Riva says, maybe you don't go far enough. Then the ship leaves, and Obi-Wan thanks Owen for not giving him up, and Owen tells him that he didn't do it for him. That's when the scene cuts back to this grand event that the Organas are hosting, and we see Bail Organa, and, and it was really great. It's the same actor as from Revenge of the Sith. Bail, Bail Organa, the first time we see him on screen here, and in this moment, it's the same actor that we got from Revenge of the Sith. And I thought that was really cool that they were able to, to bring him back. So they did, they did that, uh, you know, Ian McGregor came back, and, and uh, this guy came back. So, yeah, but uh, what did you think about that, seeing him on screen? Yeah, side note, I don't want to interrupt you, just since you talked about actors, a lot of people don't know who that fifth brother is. That's Hans from Fast and the Furious, and you would never know it was him <laughs> unless you actually looked at the cast. So what's wild is this cast of this series is actually really stacked, and the ones that are new, like Moses that plays Riva, I thought they did great. I thought they did fantastic. Back to you, though, man. For sure. And I, for the most part, I did enjoy the acting. Actually, that's one of the things I do have a slight issue with during one part, and I was like, ah, oh, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, and I'll get to it when we kind of break this whole thing down after the summary here. But for the most part, dude, I thought it was really cool. that the, 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 the acting, the actors and actresses, they were stacked on this, and especially just in this first episode. I'm sure that there's going to be even more big surprises to come in this series going forward outside of episode one. But, uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, Brea and Leah walk up beside Bale, as they await their guests to land and exit the ship. And Bale asks Leah if she saw anything good today, and she tells him a trade ship and a Quillian Ranger. We get this full circle moment, and he's like, they were probably scouting for pirates. <laughs> Just like she had said earlier. So I thought that was pretty cool. But then Brea's sister arrives, and they greet the guests, and Leia says hi to her cousin, but he kind of acts like he's too good for her, like he's too snobby and looks down on her. And she was just trying to be like a sweet little girl and just say hi. But, uh, but we can see that Bale is a good guy. Because then we, we kind of get into this little party area, and he ends up campaigning for the end of slave labor and the taxation of the Outer Rim. But he's kind of laughed off by his wife, Brea, her sister's husband. And he's like, I'm not here to end you know, slave labor. I'm here to eat your food. And I, I was like, I'm yeah. really kind of fucked up, man. I'm not here to, yeah. So I thought that was, you know, you can tell who's, who's the good guys and who just doesn't really care about their position of power. And you can see he was a little bit frustrated. And then his wife said, hey, how about a drink here, Senator? And so anyways, we get to the droid, the droid named Y.O., and Droid, droid Y.O. is bringing them, you know, just snacks and hors d'oeuvres from this event. And 
Leia thanks the droid, and then her cousin, who acts act like like he was too good for her when he, she said hi, he kind of shows his true colors here and scoffs at her for thanking lower life forms. And she was like, oh, then I guess I shouldn't be polite to you then. And they just get into this huge little <laughs> argument, and he's really rude to her. And the, the very end thing that he said that was really fucked up, he tells her that she's not even a real Organa because she's adopted. And you know, makes her feel really bad. But I thought this was pretty great because she didn't just let the, take that line down. She tears him apart verbally. She responds and that was great. tells him that uh, he's frightened of her father and that he wants his father to like him so badly that he just repeats what his father says even though he doesn't understand it himself. She tells him that he thinks being like his dad will make people frightened of him, but in actuality, he's the one that's scared. And I was like, boom, mic drop, bitch. Like, that, that was awesome. It made him look really stupid, so... Anyways, then she kind of gets in trouble, and her mom and dad are giving her a little bit of a lesson on the outside. Her mom tries to get through to her and tells her to apologize, and she kind of says, I'm not going to apologize. And then she rolls her eyes and walks out and leaves it to her father to try to get through to her. And we had a little heart-to-heart with Bail Organa and Leia. And you know, he tells her eventually that she'll be off to the junior senate, and she lets him know that she doesn't want to be a senator. And he tells her that's probably the reason you'll be one of the best, <laughs> is that you don't want to be kind of the same sort of deal with the game of thrones where Jon snow didn't want the crown and that's why like well you're probably gonna be the best king because you don't even want it <laughs> so i thought that was kind of cool a little bit of a metaphor there but you know she's and then she you could tell she did take her cousin's words to heart because she even says i'm not even a real organa and that's when bale says you know don't ever say that again and that she is their child and an organa in every way and he tells her that one day the planet will look to her and that there are many ways to lead and that she just needs to find hers and that's the point where Bella says to her, she's like, imagine the look on your cousin's face when you get to boss him around for real. So they, he, you know, he was able to kind of get through to her, and he's like, but for now, we got to apologize. And he thinks he's going to get her to apologize, and uh, you know, <laughs> she ends up running off into the woods. <laughs> like, doesn't go down to the thing to, to apologize at all. And then uh, the Bell's like, she ran off again, and Brea's like, I thought you got through to her. And he's like, well, you know, who, like, you know how she is. She's like, I know who she's like. <laughs> and then, uh, I thought that was pretty cool. And so she's off running in the woods, and they've got to go find her. But this is the part where that, that sinister-looking guy who was stalking them from the beginning comes back into play. And he, uh, so he ends up showing up and approaching Leia. And the subtitles say this guy's name is Vect, but in the IMDb in the cast, it says his name is Flea. So I don't know which one it is, but whatever one they want to go by, uh, yeah, he ends up, uh, him and his two other henchmen there, they're attempting to kidnap Leia. And so she runs and tries to get away. They end up going through this whole little long chase throughout the woods, and she ends up yelling for help. And one of the guards that is looking for her ends up seeing her, and he goes to rescue her. But Vector, Flea, whatever you want to call him, shoots him dead with the blaster. And so they finally corner her, and they kidnap her, and they take Leia. And this is a big problem because we know who Leia is. It's Anakin's daughter. We know, we know Anakin's alive, but they don't know Anakin's alive. So, like, this is a whole big bag of worms that we got to, you know, we got to figure out here. We got to, how the hell are we going to get this girl back? She's super important. And so that even that, you know, anecdote is backed up by what happens next because the scene at this point shifts back to Obi-Wan and he's outside his little cave home and he hears a distress signal coming from inside. He opens up this box and sees the transmitter going off that he gave to the Organas upon taking Leah as a baby 10 years ago. He hasn't seen this thing in that long, so he knows something's up. So he ends up you know, opening the transmitter, and it's Bale and Brea, and they're pleading with Obi-Wan to help rescue Leah. They let him know what happened and how she was kidnapped and taken, and they remind him that he's the only one that knows how important she really is. And Obi-Wan tells him that he can't leave because he has a duty of the boy, and that's when Bale's like, well, what about your duty of the boy's sister? She's just as important as he is. And Obi-Wan tells him that it's been 10 years and that he's not the man that he used to be and that they need to find someone else. And he basically cuts off the transmitter at that point in time. And then we get a quick little scene shift, and we see Leia as she is tied up as a 10-year-old child on the ship alone and scared. And the scene shifts again, and it seems like another day in the life of Obi-Wan at the meat assembly line, and he does his job, cuts a spare piece off for his Yopi, leaves work, and he goes back to town to pick up his Yopi, and that's where we see the other Jedi, Nari, dead. And he's hanging from the opening in the cliff in front of the whole town, just, just chilling there as like a warning, like, hey, this is what happens, you know, when you cross the Empire, so to speak. Then Obi-Wan looks on in sadness, but he doesn't do anything about it. He leaves the body hanging there, and he takes his Yopi, goes back to his cave, but this time, that little droid security system that shows if it's clear or if there's an intruder shows that there is an intruder in his cave. So he approaches very warily, and there's this, there's this individual in a cloak and ends up pulling his cloak back down, and uh, Bail Organa had come in person 
and and found Obi-Wan and tried to plead with him personally to ask for his help again. Bell tells him that she's headed for Dayu and that they hid her signature behind a freight transport and that ship is on the way there right now. Obi-Wan tells him again that he can't help and that he's not the man that he remembers, but he cannot leave the boy Luke. And this is when Bale, this is a little bit of dialogue I wrote down, Bale tells him that this is not about the boy and he knows it. He says, you've made a mistake. We all did. It's the past. Move on. Be done with it. You couldn't save Anakin, but you can save her. And Obi-Wan replies, and what if I can't? And Bale says, there is no one I trust more with my child than you. Please old friend for her one last fight and then the scene shifts to leia on the ship as a prisoner and she reaches into her pocket and she still has her droid sidekick lola and lola comes uh, you know i wouldn't say alive but you know programs up and uh, she tries to have lola cut her free from her bonds but vector flea comes in and grabs the droid from her and breaks it and leah screams at him my father will rescue me he'll send a whole army and he responds no one's coming for you <laughs> And imagine that as a 10-year-old child, like, you're probably terrified at this point. You got kidnapped, you don't know where you're going, and, you know, you think that someone's going to come help you, and this, this guy just says, like, dude, you're on your own. No one's coming. You're screwed. So that's kind of sad. But he, he ends up leaving her alone there while she's struggling against her bonds. Then the scene shifts to Obi-Wan, and he's riding the Hiziopi out to the desert. He's following a compass of some sort, and he stops at a certain point, and he gets off his yope, and he starts digging. He digs up a box. He opens it unravels the cloths and it reveals his and Anakin's lightsaber that he kept after the Battle of the Heroes. There was two lightsabers in there and it's fucking awesome. And honestly, what that does for me too is it kind of uh, makes it, not, I wouldn't say so much forgivable, but that point in uh, The Rise of Skywalker when like Freya went out there and buried the lightsabers in the sand, at least that wasn't out of nowhere. At least we now know someone else does that too because this is supposed to take place before this event. So I think this is their way of kind of making up for that. Like, okay, that was kind of weird. Let's go ahead and explain that. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> I do, I'm do. i glad at least you know we get some sort of context on burying lightsabers in the desert. That's nice. So, um, but yeah. <laughs> tried to save their own ass is what they tried to do, man. <laughs> they sure did. I, I agree with 100% there. Um, then the scene cuts back to the ship. And Vect or Flea is speaking with Inquisitor Riva through the hologram, and he asks her if she's sure that he will come. And Inquisitor Riva says, He fought beside her father during the war. He'll come. He won't be able to help it. The Jedi will hunt himself. Then the scene shifts back to Obi-Wan, and he looks as if he's debating with himself. He pulls out this chip, and he's looking at it, twisting it around in his fingers. And then the lady, that's kind of the person who takes the chip before you board the ship, asks you, are you coming or not? And he makes his decision, gives her the chip to board the ship leaving the city, and then he goes to put the chip away, and as he moves his cloak, you see the lightsaber hanging on the belt there. So you see that Obi-Wan is back. See the motherfucking lightsaber on the motherfucking Jedi belt. Let's fucking go. Obi-Wan, ready for battle for the first time in 10 years. I was really fucking excited about that. And that's kind of how the entire episode ends. And I know that was a little high-level summary. I ran through it quickly. Chase, was there anything in there that I missed or things that you wanted to add? How did we do there? No, you nailed it, man. That was, that was spot on. It's uh, great to see our boy back in action. Uh, but what's What do you think happened with Obi-Wan, man? I mean, the last Obi-Wan we saw, like we know Anakin definitely kind of broke him with all that going on, but... Uh, you know, if you even go back to Obi-Wan fighting General Grievous, man, like he was still a badass there, like, you know, and now he's even debating, arguably, you can still say Obi-Wan was almost like Leia and Luke's kind of guardian in a way. It was his decision to give Leia and Luke off because I guess he felt like he wasn't the proper guardian for them, which makes, makes sense. Um especially what he's going through do you think it's depression or do you think maybe he's just lost his way so bad how did the badass obi-wan you know that's our phrase here talk about a real fall from grace that guy (laughs) now he's like you know now obi-wan probably arguably one of the most respected jedis in all of the galaxy and now he's He's cooking meat and he won't even stand up to butchers man i don't know what's going on 
Well, one of those things I wanted to address when you mentioned that, you know, instead of taking Luke and Leia under his own protection, I think he would thought he himself would put them in more danger than giving them away to the people he did because obviously him being one of the greatest Jedi masters, they're going to hunt him nonstop. So right. it's one thing to try to defend yourself, but then you're also trying to protect two kids and you know they can use those kids against you if they know that you're their protector. So I think he made the right decision by not taking them himself and giving them to Owen, you know, giving Luke to Owen and then giving you know Leia to, to Bale and Brea um, Organa. So I think that was the right choice. I think that's why he didn't take them for himself. It was more about their safety than him not thinking he was the proper guardian yeah. for them. But I will say to answer your question there, it just seems like he was a, a shell of himself in a way, and we we've seen this in other in other you know pieces of work too. You remember, uh, you know, this is something kind of funny. We'll bring this up later on. But you guys ever read the, the Aragon books? You know, Bron the storyteller just kind of yeah. took up shop in Carvajal and was just going to be a storyteller till you know any anyone you know sh- showed any signs of something. I'm not going to give too much away, but you know. He ended up failing in his duty to try to stop, you know, the bad guys from coming to power. And, you know, he ended up becoming, you know, not who he was before he was reminded who he was, you know. So we've seen this kind of before. And even, I would even say to a point, the same sort of deal happened with Luke Skywalker back in, the you know, The Last Jedi when, you know, uh, Rey had found him. And, you know, he was so desolate from the fact that he wasn't able to help Kylo Ren, you know, from going to the dark side himself. See, he was just you know, he was on like the mountain, being a little monk alone too, not really wanting to deal with anything. And so I just say, yeah, just one of those things where when something breaks your spirit, it takes you know a lot of you know reminding of who you were and, and to break out of that level of depression and and the sense of failure that you have to have. Because remember, Qui Gon Jinn entrusted Anakin, trusted Obi Wan to train Anakin, and Qui Gon was so sure that Anakin was going to bring balance to the Force that he made Obi Wan believe it too, and you know, basically, in Obi Wan's mind, he's the reason why Anakin fell to the dark side because he didn't train him properly. He he didn't do right by him, and so I think that is a lot of what we have kind of come to see and why Obi Wan is who he is today. And also on top of that, too, they don't have a whole lot of allies left. The Jedi don't, so it's not like Obi Wan can take on the whole Empire alone. So of course, if he feels like there's no one else that can that can help him out, he's got to keep staying hiding so he's not discovered. On top of all the other shit that he's going through internally, like it makes complete sense why he is the way that he is as we come across him in the beginning of the series. Makes sense, man. I mean, yeah, I think I agree with you 100%. I, he's definitely not the Obi-Wan we last saw. I mean, from the guy that literally went up against someone that was basically like, his actual brother or you could even argue like his son because he trained him since he was a child and was even able to go the distance where he said i will do what i must you can try (laughs) if you're not with me then you're my enemy (laughs) but so i mean yeah i mean uh, i agree with you 100 percent so uh, side note: They are making an Aragon series on Disney Plus, so <laughs> that gives you guys some hope. <laughs> so, uh, leave you guys with that on that note. <laughs> but no, I agree with you 100, percent man. What about you? What were what were some questions you had, or uh, debates, or thoughts you had on this episode? Yeah, I had some takeaways of things that didn't really rub me the wrong way, and and I don't know if. I just am very picky at this point in time, or what. But there were some issues that I had with this specific episode, and you know, we'll see where, if you kind of agree or what your thought processes are on it. But um, the, one of the, some of the questions and issues I had is that it, it just seems super random. There was nothing that led Inquisitor Riva to pick Owen specifically out of the group of villagers and say, "You know something about the Jedi." Like. I don't understand why at yeah. all. They, they that just came out of so randomly. She just picked the one that happened to actually know. That, that's you know like I don't know. Eventually you gotta you gotta sift through a bunch of garbage before you find the gem. You know what I mean? So you know it made more sense to me if you know they were interrogating a bunch of other villagers and they weren't getting answers. And Juan finally came across him and you know maybe from the questions they were asking, maybe he was a little bit too evasive or whatever, then they finally determined that he might know something. But she basically just picked her eyes, pointed at him, and it's like, you know, you know, I know you know. And then, like, it's, I don't know. I really had a problem with that. I thought that was kind of silly. And, like, and this is, like, that one part where I said the acting kind of bothered me 
where she said, uh, "Why should we believe you when you say you don't know about any Jedi? Or you think they're they're vermin?" <laughs> like I know that just I, I just <laughs> yeah, didn't like it, weird. man. It was a little bit weird. That weird. specific scene really rubbed me the wrong way. But I mean, they were talking about one scene in a fifty-five minute episode, whatever. It is what it is. But um, that's something that really bothered me. I thought it was, you know, it wasn't organically found. It was something like they, they just kind of tossed in there and hoped they were going to slide it past us. <laughs> like, you know, so that was kind of a little bit of an issue I had. Then uh, the other part I didn't like either is the same sort of deal, but with the different characters. Uh, Obi-Wan has been in hiding on Tatooine for how long? Ten years, right? He's been looking over for Luke for ten years since he dropped him off at Owen Lars's farm. No one knows where Obi-Wan is. No one's been able to find him. But all of a sudden, Bail Organa can just arrive <laughs> in his cave. He like comes home yeah, and there's a, like, there's a red that, flashing yeah. thing. And then Bail's just there like, hey, man, I know you were the whole time. I could have came and had some coffee with you a couple years ago. But I figured you were sad. So I went ahead and left <laughs> you alone. But here I am. My daughter's kidnapped. And I need your help. And uh, yeah, I know exactly where your house is, dude. No, no problem. I know there's a lot of caves on this planet. But I know that this is a cave you would like. I know this is your cave, man. So like, I just really kind of annoyed me that Bail just showed up and knew exactly where everyone is on this planet. When he's supposed to be in hiding for 10 years and no supposed to know where he is so uh, that's why that's what the whole transmitter is for is like hey i get in contact with you and if like i need you to know where i am i can tell you but no he just shows, shows right on up so i don't know i had an issue with that and then the last thing i had an issue with in the episode is that and the, the, the whole ending sequence not like what they did because it makes sense but what annoyed me is this is the first time and so it took them 10 years to figure out that bale and obi-wan fought together during the war no one had ever happened to look into Obi-Wan's history for that moment. So we had a full decade, a full decade, and now they decide to use loved ones against him? It's just not realistic. Like, you know what I mean? They, they should have been knowing that, they should have had Obi-Wan's history down to a T. People he knew, accomplices, all this and that. And it takes 10 years and now we're, okay, now we're going to go ahead and capture this girl and we're going to drive Obi-Wan out in this moment. We couldn't think of this plan 10 years ago or throughout the past 10 years, but this seems like the right time. Like, I don't know. It just really kind of bothered me that you know, no one's ever attempted to do this before. Uh, you know, it just does, I don't know. That, that was kind of annoying. And then, just, to me, it just wasn't sorry, realistic. No, sorry not to interrupt you. You know what it reminded me of? <clears throat> when he showed up there, like, to have some tea and some coffee, it almost reminded me of the Wedding Crashers thing. He's like, it's your birthday today. Can't let a little pissing and moaning get you down? <laughs> oh, that is today. <laughs> Get a little, little pissing and moaning. Stop you from letting me show up today. <laughs> I know I just sent you this whole signal where we talked about it, but can't let a little pissing and moaning stop me from showing up, sir. <laughs> kind of what it was. <laughs> it's weird, man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and then just the last thing I kind of had an issue with is, and this wasn't so much an issue, just something I would have wished I would have saw on screen was, you know, we kind of just see Nari's dead body hanging from the cliffs there, chilling. It would have been cool to see them corner him and him try to fight for his life and then them eventually overpower him and kill him. But no, we just kind of see his body hanging we've got to assume what happened. So that kind of stunk. I would have liked to see that, you know, a little bit of action, a little bit of a lightsaber battle there and him just maybe getting overrun because there's three Inquisitors and it's just him or whatever it might be. However you want to kill him, even just one-on-one, it'd still be cool to see a little battle there and, you know, not just see this guy's lifeless body hanging and be like, oh, shit, they got him. You know what I mean? I don't know. I thought that... At uh, least let him do the Theon, man. Like, even if he gets taken out by Rita... Riva? Rita from Power Rangers. <laughs> Riva, the girl... Riva and the... Yeah, remember that? Rita Repulsa? Now, that would have been some crazy fucking shit right there. That'd be, that'd <laughs> that be a crossover for your ass, bro. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is going on in the Star Wars multiverse, man? <laughs> After ten years, I'm free! It's time to conquer Earth! That's <laughs> crazy, Al fucking know but yeah at least give him the theon treatment where the grand inquisitor or reva like kills him or the fifth brother and let him take out some people out of that entire fucking army he couldn't even take out one fucking stormtrooper come on man no respect they tracked him down since he was in the coffee place he tried to go say i'm here for your birthday obi-wan kenobi and he kicked his ass out because he's reading don't kill himself books <laughs> and then just got axed man didn't even get to pull a bell embarrassed and sell me it was fucked up uh i don't agree with that also i agree 100 percent what you were saying i don't know how she just won the lottery and picked owen out of the crowd 
it makes no sense whatsoever. It would have been a lot better if they even did like, okay, well, we're just going to start executing people one by one. That would have been cool, right? Even lined them up against a wall. Or if they did do like the whole like Game of Thrones thing, you know, they're like, they're like, because you saw the White Walkers across the walls, so we're going to cut your head off. Like, you know. I think it would be badass. I thought it would have been cool. And then they get to Owen and then it's like, oh shit, like stop. Like you've done enough. But what do I know, man? I'm not the director, but <laughs> I agree on both counts. Yeah, like also That's my case. Do you also agree that it's weird that Bell just knew where Obi Wan was living all these years? <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah, it's uh, it makes no sense. I mean you're talking about probably you can argue <laughs> basically what's the president of the United States or like the you know the king of england or whatever it is you know the leader of your country <laughs> doesn't like doesn't no one finds out anything despite all the fucking people that come through there like no one's gonna ask you for information <laughs> like, i don't know man um i think it's super weird that he just randomly showed up there too like like just like already inside his house like ooh, yeah. been waiting for years like, dude, like, they, these, and the Empire's been looking for him for 10 years, like, scouring every planet, every nook and cranny, but Bell's like, I know exactly where your house is. <laughs> like, what the fuck, man? Oh, yeah. Well, hello. <laughs> <laughs> we've been like, looking, we've been, uh, <laughs> what did Cersei say, remember, in season seven when they had that meeting? We've been here for some time. <laughs> My apologies. <laughs> That's weird, man. I don't know. Those, Back to you, brother. No, those are just some of the issues that I had with the episode as a whole. Like, and just a few things that didn't make sense to me, things I think they could have done better. But uh, that's just from my side of stuff. What about you in terms of any debates that you had for the episode? What do you got for me? Yeah, I mean, my big, like, kind of question was that we answered earlier. Like, how did Obi-Wan really fall from grace? Um... I don't know kind of mm, I don't I don't know like I mean I really don't have <clears throat> many debates besides that because this is kind of just like a starting episode but um, I don't know I mean I guess a lot of this is going to be more answered um, later on but I like the way it was really started out like you know we didn't get any like big surprises really because it's kind of building up to it um and nothing really got revealed which i think is good but um i like i like where it's going do you think it's better off kind of as a limited series here or do you think with the way the star wars fan base is do you think they would like to see something that's in between timelines here whether it's this, whether it's something else, but with like a set of characters that are the ones from the prequels, do you think it would do financially uh, well being propelled further into the future, given it's now you have all these different things that are happening in between timelines in Star Wars? Yeah, this I think this probably did better than... I don't want to say that because that's probably factually inaccurate, but just in my head anyways, this Obi Wan series has done better, more well-received by the Star Wars fan base than the um, the sequels, you know, the, the last three, like, at least in my opinion, you know. So <laughs> it's like, obviously, the, the desire is there, the demand is there for the audience, and so I think if they continued this on past this just standalone series, it would be wildly successful. But I don't know. I also kind of love the fact that it it gave it gave us just a little bit of a taste of what we were craving. You know what I mean? It did a great yeah. job, and and this is what they've been doing really really well. They did it well with Mandalorian. They did it. They're gonna probably. I'm assuming they're hopefully gonna do it well with the new Ahsoka series that's gonna be coming out as well too. But they're doing a great job of really capturing both audiences, like the original trilogy fans, the prequel fans, and the overall Star Wars fans, and potentially new ones who haven't have anything idea about Star Wars, making it enjoyable from the watch too. You know, they brought in people, they hit the nostalgic stuff with bringing in uh, Ewan McGregor and for, as Obi-Wan back again. And then the same thing with Bail Organa as, as the senator. And, you know, we get like Luke and Leia as, as kids and stuff. So, like, they're doing a great job of really encompassing all potential audiences and making everyone interested. So, the, the answer to your question, it definitely would be wildly successful if they did. 
But do I think they're going to? It, it, I feel if they do, it's probably going to be another good chunk of time before, kind of like it's been since 2005, since we've seen Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi, it's now 2022. So that's, what, 17 years? So I'm assuming probably another 12, 13 years before we probably get anything else <laughs> like that. Uh, I hope that's not the case. I hope they see how successful it is and how much we want it. But I just, you know, it would be really interesting to wait that long and then not wait at all and just continuously put stuff out. I don't know. We'll see what happens, but that's my thought on it. And last question on that, which this is really hard to pinpoint into a question, but I know you'll understand exactly where I'm coming from. It's something about, let's uh, take a look and look at the differences between how story, I guess, chronological uh, orders are told in say like this series with a limited series and then you have some outlandish shit they decided to make up in the rise of skywalker saga why don't you think even though they had two different directors and all that stuff that went down with jj abrams for instance this had me already like drawn into it from the beginning not just the nostalgia but i actually enjoyed this story and how they brought in the Grand Inquisitors. I thought that was such a new, interesting, like, ad there. Like, oh, wow, now you have this whole Grand Inquisitor situation. I want to know, like, how they came into power. And clearly they they uh, definitely have some sort of threat. Because even when Neri uh, was being pursued, I was really interested in that point. Why is it? Yeah, which I actually didn't mind The Force Awakens. I thought it was pretty good. But, for instance, this whole Rise of Skywalker trilogy here, the storyline was so fucking left field every other damn turn. Like, I got to the point, like, I wasn't fucking interested anymore. Like, holy shit, like, Kylo Ren could have been, a, like, a really interesting character starting from the beginning. And then, like, the storylines just took so many crazy-ass fucking turns. I'm just, like, I'm just almost, like, not even fucking interested. Like, I want to see what happens because it's Star Wars and I'm a Star Wars fan. But, like, for instance, like, when they were pursuing Snoke and, like, went way out of the way to, like, the New Order. Like, all these different things. Unlike Mandalorian and, like, this, Mandalorian and this, I feel like, has, like, a timeline where it's a story that's not just not just easy to follow for regular fans in and out but also it's a story that starts to captivate you slowly and grows whereas that i feel like they were just throwing shit out of left field every time you took another turn i don't know what's your thoughts man i agree with you and i think we've mentioned this before when we talked about star wars as a whole way back in season one of factor fantasy like it's difficult because you've got two different directors that have an end goal in mind and the way of getting to that end goal is wildly different and so you're putting movies back to back that are supposed to follow and branch off of each other but it's almost like they tried to like up one up each other or take away from their idea and put their idea in and it just didn't cohesively work and i honestly think that was a, a mistake on disney's part like why would you do that you know i, I don't understand why you would have like the lead director for one and then different like I think ideally they wanted to have two masterminds uh, of sci-fi come together and make something really fucking cool. But you have to understand that you're dealing with people who, uh, you know, the way I would write a story is different than the way Chase would write a story. And if you asked us both to write it, I'll write the beginning part and he wrote the middle and I'd write the end. You'd be like, where the hell did this go? I could tell that this is not <laughs> where this is supposed to be going from the beginning. You know what I mean? And then, you know, just like, like you'd mentioned, they just were throwing shit out of left field. Like all of a sudden Palpatine's back. Like, okay, thought he died <laughs> like a long time ago. He didn't even come back in a cool way either. He was just like, like, you know, don't just hanging from his little balcony down there. I don't know, dude. It was just weird. Uh, and then, you know, yeah, I get a point, too, about Snoke. He just gets killed off instantly. <laughs> He's supposed to be this big, bad news Sith Lord that we're going to be really interested about his backstory and how he rose to power and, like, what his abilities are. And they're just like, nah, let's kill him off pretty quickly. You're like, oh, okay. Like, I don't know, dude. It was just very weird. And, you know, I, I saw what they attempted to do with trying to bring nostalgia back into it with the original actors for, you know, uh, Leia and Han Solo and Luke, but that it wasn't enough to make it successful because they didn't do it in an organic way. And, you know, so on top of that, too, we're following a character 
that we know nothing about in Rhea, and she knows nothing about herself. And, you know, like you said, Force Awakens, of all of them, that was the one that was pretty okay, right? Like, you know, so you kind of have a little bit of intrigue about her. But, you know, when you're following someone from the original series, you know, from the prequels, Obi-Wan, you saw Obi-Wan as a Padawan, as an apprentice, eventually as a Jedi Master, and you grew with him along the way, and to see him back, you're like, fuck yeah, like, this is awesome. You know, and even with the Mandalorian, at least you had, even though you didn't, might not know too much about the Mandalorian creator code, you had seen uh, uh, someone in a suit that looked just like him in, in Boba Fett. You had seen him from the prequels grow into this menace, and then you know, even Jango Fett in, in the in the original trilogy is like as a menacing bounty hunter. So you at least were interested in what could this be? Or could they all be related? What's the storyline behind? It? I want to follow it. Where the the, the sequels. I don't know, man. It just like 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 you said. It seemed they just kind of throw a bunch of stuff in there. Not didn't make a lot of cohesive sense. And then on top of that, they I mean a lot of that has to do with them making two different directors do yeah. three films and not you know they didn't seem like they really worked together on it. it. Just seems like I'm gonna do it my way. Well, I'm gonna do my my way. Well, I'm gonna do it my way to finish it off and fuck everything you did. Like I don't know. It just seemed more like combative than cohesive in my opinion. And it just it didn't it didn't do it for me. Long story short. So yeah. Not even Harrison Ford could have saved that shit. <laughs> they even tried to bring him back from the dead. <laughs> like his ghost one, they're like, oh, maybe Harrison Ford with the nostalgia could save this shit. He couldn't even say that shit. And he was the best part, in my opinion, of like the first one. And they were like, well, we, we already did like the zombie Palpatine, so fuck it, man. Bring <laughs> him back from the dead, bro. I don't know, man. It was all over the place, but on the bright night, on the bright note, uh, you know, this had, uh, it did have some issues, just like you said, I agree 100%, but it was nowhere near on the issues that, whatever that was. And so many people, before we get off this topic here, try to, I see, I, I'm going to straight tell it like it is. So many people try to overplay, I think, Rise of Skywalker because how bad Last Jedi was. And they were like, oh, well, you must have been a Last Jedi fan if you didn't like Rise of Skywalker. I was never a Last Jedi fan, and I'm still not a Rise of Skywalker fan. <laughs> so, like, I like Star Wars for what it is. Don't get me wrong. I'm one of the... Jay Nelly and I are one of the biggest Star Wars fans out there. I still like seeing lightsaber battles, and I still like, you know, seeing the Force and seeing the old nostalgia, but it doesn't make up for a crazy-ass plotline that you pulled out of your ass just like that yellow lightsaber. It makes no sense. But uh, with that, I'll turn it back over to you, man. What about you? Yeah, so the debate that I have here, and I, you know, just, I don't really know if that's even answerable, but like I mentioned, right, when Reva had, this is the, in the very beginning of this episode, attempted to swing that lightsaber at, at Nari, and this Grand Inquisitor used a force to stop, and like, are these direct disciples of Anakin Skywalker like you know like because how are they able to use the force and wield lightsabers in the same way that Jedi do and obviously they're not Jedi they're hunting Jedi right they're inquisitors but I guess that's like my kind of question are these are these actual Siths are these are these Siths in training are these just random bad guys that tend to have certain abilities I I'm curious like what's your what are your thoughts on it well I think that goes into the question of if they actually made the rank of like Sith Lord, right? Like, I guess anyone can, uh, anyone that's force sensitive and has some sort of Metachlorian count, um, I'm assuming could wield a lightsaber and use the force. Look at younglings. I mean, Anakin hacked them up. <laughs> they were not Sith Lords yet, and they weren't Jedi Masters. So, my that was that was brutal <laughs> but it is true and it plays a good point later on <laughs> so actually it played a good point at the very beginning of this episode <laughs> so it does make sense but my point is is uh i don't think they're exactly sith lords i think to be a sith you have to be on the level of count dooku or you know we know from the originals <laughs> who is who is one not giving anything away <laughs> but we know i and we know uh, i mean palpatine is palpatine a sith i guess oh absolutely he was darth sidious. yeah he's he, darth sidious what do you mean oh darth sidious <laughs> yeah that makes sense wow that's not enough because I, mean, I was thinking i forget you know he actually fought 
you know, Yoda with a lightsaber <laughs> back then. Yeah, so well played. I keep thinking of the old-ass one that sat in the chair that, you know, Luke threw down an electric tunnel. <laughs> but, yeah, well, yes, but I think my point... Wait, wasn't that Darth Vader that. that threw him down the electric thing? Yeah, sorry, Darth <laughs> Vader threw him down the tunnel. It was uh, Luke that... Uh, he was chopped his yeah. robot hand off and smashed it like a thousand times. Anyways, point being is, <laughs> I don't think I think they are evil force people. <laughs> I will say, but they're not on the rank of Sith unless you had someone. Which not to give anything away. Which this actually never happens anyways, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but. Someone would have to appoint them as a Sith, I'm assuming. I don't know. Your, your thoughts? Yeah, so my thought is, and like, I don't have a problem discussing the individual because we know he's not dead just from the original, you know, Star Wars trilogy, right? So, like, right. Anakin's, yeah. Anakin's obviously still alive during this time period. So, mm-hmm. the thing is, is that there's a rule of Sith. There's, there is uh, a master and an apprentice, and like, no more, no less. So, like they, they obviously if more than one can wield a lightsaber or whatever, they like Anakin can't be their quote unquote Jedi Master or Sith Lord to them specifically, just by the, the lay of the law there. But I'm just curious as to what what they are, you know, because uh, they are so that you, know, you can use the force and you can use a lightsaber that that's pretty Sith like. So it's like, where did he, they get this training from? You know, at least you know from this point, we've seen the Grand Inquisitor able to use the Force and you know wield the lightsaber, and then we obviously saw Reva with the lightsaber herself, and we saw uh, the Fifth Brother. He had it on his back in that little circle thing too, so he's got a lightsaber as well. So I, I don't know. If we've really seen any uh, Force abilities from those two just yet, but we have for sure from the Grand Inquisitor. And so I don't know. Um, it would be interesting to see their rise to. The, where they became, where they started their training to where they are as Inquisitors right now. Uh, it's just, I don't believe that they would be Siths because I just don't see Anakin taking on apprentices. I think he was so consumed by his own power that he wanted to be like the greatest of all the the villains. So he wasn't going to you know, give his knowledge or power to anyone else. And you know, he still technically had, um, if we go by, yes, yeah, so go by the timeline. Palpatine or Darth Sidious was still his, you know, quote unquote Sith Lord, so he wouldn't have the the, the, the transition wouldn't make sense as it was, and especially with the number of Inquisitors that we see, which are three. You couldn't be able to, you know, to train them all at the same time. So I don't know what they are. It's just it's just a quick, interesting, um, interesting debate for sure. I was curious as to your thoughts on them and you know how they came across this ability to use the Force. Pretty, and they and they have a level of control over it, right? Well, at least at least Grand Inquisitor does. Right, he stopped her right before he was, she did a full ass swing into his like arm and started burning his shoulder a little bit. He stopped it and you know pushed her away using the force. And obviously they've all got lightsabers, so it's like, hmm, these these individuals are a little bit more than just your normal bad guys. But how far up do they go on the bad guy food chain? I guess is is the is the bait. So I don't know. I would say they're they're high mid level, high mid level bad guys. <laughs> um, that's what I would say. Uh, I just, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't think that they are in training to be the next Sith Lord or anything. But it, it, you can definitely see how it looks optically and like, well, damn, they can use a Force. They do use a lightsaber. They are on the bad team. Like, what's going on here? So, yeah, just the last thing I had there. Yeah, man. Uh, well, yeah, you want to go ahead and close this out for the day? Sounds like a plan. Yeah, absolutely, guys. So th- this is your first time checking us out today. Welcome. We hope you enjoyed what you heard. We still got another uh, five weeks left of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series and then probably one additional episode where we do some bonus fun stuff as well before we dive into you know the, the series that will close us out for season two of Factor Fantasy. So definitely enjoy these these next uh, six weeks as they come up. This is going to be some really great stuff. We're taking this one at a time, making sure we cover every little aspect of this show because it's it's a big one. It's huge, especially for everyone involved, brand new fans, original fans, middle fans, and like the, the prequel time period. You know, So uh, really, really cool stuff that we're covering here. And so, like I said, uh, if this is your first time joining us. You know, thank you for stopping by. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you stick around. If you've been with us since day one, you guys are the shields that guard the realms of fantasy, and thank you for being with us all this time. And you know, for the brand new people, uh, they're looking to figure out where you can find us. We are on all forms of social media. On Instagram, we're at official ridiculous patronus. On TikTok, we're at ridiculous patronus. We do have a backup Instagram at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. Backup TikTok at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. Facebook fan page Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. YouTube ridiculous patronus. 
uh, Twitter, RP Factor Fantasy, Snapchat, RP Factor Fantasy, and we do have a official website as well. It's ridiculouspatronus.blogspot.com. And so please, guys, leave us all the reviews that you want. We enjoy the audience engagement. Uh, go ahead and leave a star rating. So you can do that on a multitude of sites, you know, such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So any reviews, any comments, any ratings you want to leave are greatly appreciated. And talking about where you can find the podcast specifically, if you're an Apple user, you can find us on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you're an Android user, you can find us on Google Play, on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audible, Amazon Music, Stitcher, Acast, Podbean wherever you get your podcast, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy are there, but you know this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing off. off.